Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. Today, I have a a wonderful, wonderful guest for you today. This is Dr. Jen Cottle. Say hi to everyone, Jen. Hey, guys. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, For those of you who do not know who Dr. Jen is, um, she is a board-certified family medicine physician, and she's a associate professor at Rowan University School of Osteopathic Medicine. Always shout out to my osteopaths out there. And uh, she is a regular on-air health expert for local and national news networks, including the Today Show, the Dr. Oz Show, CNN, Rachel Ray, and Steve Harvey Show. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. I'm, I'm really excited to be here, and I, I, I love your podcast. This is really, uh, this is awesome. So thanks for having me. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so I love it when I hear about my guests and how they get from point A to point B. And you seem to have a very, very colorful, you know, career path, a very, not only colorful, but also very, very unique. You know, not only are you a family physician, but you're also a musician, you've uh, done pageant competitions in the past, and you lecture, and currently you do a lot of medical media broadcasting. So I really, really enjoy hearing about people's stories, about how they go from point A to point B, and I would love to know, how did you get to this point? So my, my path has been a little bit kind of a winding path, but I often feel like it's what's made things really interesting for me, and I'm really grateful. Um, You know, I always say that, like so many other people, I wanted to be a doctor, you know, early on, certainly in college and a little bit before. Um, But I had this sort of unusual opportunity to compete in the Miss America system when I was around a sophomore in college. Um, It wasn't anything that I had really wanted to do or, or looked to do when I was growing up, but I soon found out that the Miss America system is the world's largest scholarship organization for women. And at the time, I was, you know, working four jobs at Princeton, you know, delivering newspapers, working in the dining hall. I was playing string quartet gigs, all this stuff. So the money was needed, and I actually decided to compete in order to um, get scholarship money. Um, So what happened, though, was, um, you know, I feel really blessed that four pageants later I ended up in the Miss America system, uh, mm-hmm. rather Miss America pageant in 1999 and competing. Now, I didn't win the title of Miss America or anything like that, but um, it it was this opportunity, and I spent my year as Miss Iowa, which was my state, uh, doing a lot of speaking, uh, doing television, doing a lot of sort of public outreach, and that's what really got me used to that type of work, and I think that really contributed to my ability to do medical broadcasting now. So then you fast forward, I ended up going to med school, which was always in my plan um, and doing all of that. But I always knew I wanted to come back to trying to communicate healthcare information once I was a doctor. 
And, you know, that's one of the reasons why now as a physician, I, I do television, I do, uh, I have a blog, I have a newsletter, I, I educate as much as I can. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel really lucky to be able to do so. So yeah, that's a little snippet of, of my, of my back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've been, I've been following you, uh, you know, for, uh, for quite some time and, you know, for myself and, you know, others, um, and we're both on the group for uh, doctors on social media, it can be a very, very, um, not only, you know, a full-time job, but it can also be, you know, a little bit daunting for th- those of us who are not familiar with so many different avenues, and it seems like it continues to, you know, evolve. And um, it's interesting. Do you do all of it yourself in terms of the blogging and the social media, and you know, do you upkeep all of that? I do. I do. Um, I have someone who helps me with um, comments and responding to requests and things like that because I get more comments and messages and requests than I can than I can read and respond to, and I like to respond. So Good. I have someone helping me with that. But I mean, I in terms of all the content uh, creation, I obviously I have somebody that builds my web. I don't build the website and then sure. build the blog. But yeah, I, I do all that myself at this point. It probably will change at a, at a point, but. You know, I like I like being involved in the information I'm delivering, uh, and and that's what I do on TV. I write my own segments. I I do my own talking points. So it doesn't feel much different than that. Mm. So I want to speak more about the communication part because you know, for the broadcasting, it's really about conveying you know good, solid, you know, clear information to the public and you know to the general public at wide. How did you? you know, get to that point in deciding that, okay, this is kind of like the centerpiece of, you know, what I want to do, because, you know, we are, we are faced, you know, in this current age with a lot of misinformation and pseudoscience. So did it dawn on you that, okay, you know what, I just want to be able to be a solid voice for people to get really good health information? Well, yeah. And I, like, as I mentioned, you know, I think my, my work, being in the Miss America system and sort of speaking, as I mentioned, you know, going to med school, that's when I knew I wanted to not just be a doctor, but I also wanted to share health information. Um, how exactly I was going to do it, I don't know that I understood how. Um, and I didn't know how, but I knew that I wanted to communicate health information. So, yeah, it was it was something that I've been wanting to do ever since I was a medical student. Um, and and I always thought of whether I, I didn't know what I would do. Yeah, it was my dream to be on TV, but you never know if that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was something that you know years before I even became a doctor was yeah kind of percolating in my mind. I think it was part of who I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to in know um, because it's not a very uh, you know uh, you know a career option that most medical students and residents kind of. Uh, you know, think about as an option. You know, we think about either we go into medicine or we go into surgery or some hybrid of, you know, each other. Um, what lessons and obstacles did you uh, come across, you know, when you're when you were navigating this route for yourself? Yeah, I think that's I mean, that's a good question. And you're right. Um, because I knew I wanted to communicate health information. I was in, I I quickly kind of saw a few doctors whether it was, you know, the doctor on the Today Show at the time, there were far few, fewer doctors 20 years ago or mm. when was I, I was in med school, 2001 to 2005. You know, this wasn't even a thing that people wanted to do back then. There were very, very few doctors that talked about health information. Um, you know, on news stations, they didn't have doctors reporting. They had, you know, reporters reporting. So 
um, it was something that I found the few doctors that were doing it, and I watched what they did, and I looked and I learned. And, um, you know, I, I it, it's just it's one of these things I think that evolved. There have been certainly lots of obstacles. You know, I think with a lot of um, things in life, you sometimes have to make your own path, which is essentially what I had to do. You know, I, I figured out how to do a medical broadcasting elective um, at mm-hmm. a local TV station when I was a medical student. But, of course, my school... In most schools, you know, when you're a medical student, that's not an elective that's usually offered. It wasn't offered at mine either. But, you know, I had to get creative and speak to my deans and plead mm-hmm, my case mm-hmm. and, and do all of this stuff. And I was able to do a, a rotation at a at a, um, at a TV station in Philadelphia for a month and running around with reporters and things like that. So, you know, my point being is is that it took a lot of digging around. It was, you know, it's it's kind of like a full-time thing now. It was then. Um, and, and I think that's probably the bigger message to those who are listening is that oftentimes the things that you want to do or maybe a vision that you have, whether it, it may not exist or it may not exist the way you see it could exist. And sometimes you have to create it. Sometimes you yeah. have to do some convincing. Sometimes you have to think out of the box. So, um, you know, you talk about, Colin, this idea of a career option. It, it never really was a career option. It was just something I wanted to do. And had to figure out how to to get experience. Get to point, and yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and, but that's going to be the thing with other other students and, and other things. You know, I mean, and and, and uh, whether you're a resident or attending or whatever, there's so many niches to be had. Um, a lot of it has to do with thinking about what you want to do. You know, where you feel like you can add value and have a vision for what you see, and and then be willing to kind of work like Dickens to to figure out how yeah. to make it happen. Um, yeah, so I think that's the most important lesson is that it it wasn't a career option. I had to, I had to, and I didn't create it, of course. But at a time when you know now everybody wants to be on social media, everybody wants. To be on <laughs> but this wasn't the case. Um, yeah, know, this wasn't the case twenty years ago, um, and and there was no one out there. There were no models of this, and and it wasn't even cool in medicine. In fact, I think one of the biggest hurdles I had to overcome was, I mean, in many cases, I didn't tell people my aspirations for a fear of, um, uh, of you know, in, in the medical world being thought of as a flaky doctor or a doctor, mm. a real doctor. Nowadays, yes, you can yes. be on social media, you can have a podcast, you can be on TV and nobody thinks that you're not a serious doctor, right? But back then, that wasn't the case. So right. um, in many situations, I didn't even talk about my interests or tell employers or whatever that I wanted to do this type of work. Yeah, it was completely different, completely different. Yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm glad things have changed, certainly. Yeah, there's so many points to that, and I can relate on a couple of levels where, you know, when I finished uh, medical school and before uh, residency, I had, you know, um, you know, a gap year, and I went into culinary school. And when people heard about that, they thought it was, you know, are you doing this as a hobby or, right. you know, what was it for? And I right. said, no, I mean, I really wanted to use it as, as an enhancement to my career path because, you know, as you know, the chronic health burden, we're just plagued with lifestyle-related diseases, and we need to f- use these tools, you know, to be able to fight and combat that. And, you know, and I've also, you know, gotten a lot of, you know, questions above people's heads of, you know, why you're doing this. And, um, and I got into locum tenens or as a traveling physician, and it's not a very common pathway as well. 
And my own father, you know, similar to, you know, similar to the comments that you've heard that, you know, they didn't think that you were a real doctor. You know, my own father didn't think because he always thought that the doctor stood in one place, like either working at a hospital or in an sure. office. So, yeah, so I, I um, it's very interesting. And um, I love the fact that, you know, you've been able to carve that out for you, uh, for yourself. And, you know, if it's something that you truly, truly want to go towards, to aspire to, to, you know, be in that role, then, you know, you'll figure out how to make that happen. So I think that's awesome. And I think Um, the message too, if if you don't mind me interrupting, and I love the story about you talking about um, your culinary work, right? That's, I think that's a really great um, sort of example of this where you took a step out and did something out of the box because it spoke to you. I think the biggest message for a, 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 maybe those who are coming up is, um, you know, not to necessarily expect what you want, not to necessarily see uh, what you want. You may not see it. No one may be doing it. You know, you may have to figure out how to accomplish um, the goal that you have, especially if it's not already out there. So just encouraging folks to not be afraid to do that. Mm -hmm. I think there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fear in, in sort of in the unknown and also stepping out of the box is I think sometimes we feel we may be in this position, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also it, it's also um, uh, a component of the time that we live in. 495, the Internet didn't exist. <laughs> right. And, you know, right. Now, now it's exploded, and, you know, now you everyone can broadcast themselves, you know what I'm right. saying? So, right, so and ha- everyone can ha- have a brand. It's so funny, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's great because, um, you know, I think it's important to establish your own voice, not only to be heard, but, you know, you want to be able to create, um, you know, a, 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 not necessarily a personality. I'm, um, how do I say it? But you want to be able to mold yourself, you know, and sometimes that could be through a brand, you know, or that could be through a, you know, an onstage personality. But it's, um, it's really about being honest and authentic, you know, to yourself, you know, and how you want to convey that. Right, right. No, I think that's very well put. Exactly. You know, who, who are you um, and, and how do you want to convey yourself? Yeah, I like that a lot. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, just a curious note, um, how, when you first started, um, how did the deans and professors uh, react to you? And and how are they, you know, I don't know if it's the same, you know, uh, administration now, but because you are working, you know, for a school, um, you know, how do they how do they react and, you know, uh, support um, your current uh, roles right now? Yeah, you know, I've, I've actually been very lucky. I went to UMDNJ School of Osteopathic Medicine, which is basically what Rowan School of Osteopathic Medicine is now with a name change. So mm. I went to the school when it was UMDNJ, um, and uh, I'll be honest with you, my uh, my my deans and things like that, you know, they raised a little, they they raised you know, like an eyebrow, <laughs> like, what, wait, what do you want to do? Come again? But I'll be honest with you, they supported they supported me. I mean, they supported they supported me pretty much throughout the whole thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I was also, a, you know, a good student. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have trouble in school. So, you know, maybe that, uh, I didn't have trouble academically is what I'm saying. 
you know, and, and this is what I would have said probably even to myself, if, if maybe I had trouble academically or with other issues, maybe it would have been better spent to, to focus my time on where it needed to be focused and not do a medical broadcasting rotation as a third or fourth year, for example. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know, things were in place at the time. Uh, but I have, to, I have to say, out of the, the goodness out of, out of their hearts, they were very, very supportive. Um, it's one of the reasons why I, I do medical media and came back to Rowan those were the attendings who have really always supported me, um, and they still do. Um, they support my work, and they, they, I, I'm, I'm proud to represent Rowan and what was in UMDJ, even when I was a medical resident, at, mm-hmm. at, because I stayed there for residency. I went away for internship, and I came back for residency. Um, yeah. I started writing paper, uh, articles for local um, local magazines. That's before there were blogs. I had like a little mm-hmm. newsletter. Mm-hmm. That was the equivalent of a blog. Like I had a constant contact you know, dot-com newsletter that I sent out to like 300 people and I would write these little health articles. Um, and I wasn't, I was a resident, so I wasn't a licensed physician, but my attending um, in the Department of Family Medicine would read through them just to make sure I wasn't saying anything crazy. Oh. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not, you're not a licensed doctor, so you, you know, you got to be Oh, careful. yeah, yeah. Um, but I also looked for local, you know, magazines in the community. Like there's a, a small publication called South Jersey Mom Magazine, and I mm-hmm. went to the back of the magazine, found the editor's information. I said, I wrote them or called them and said, hey, can I write an article about back to school for kids? You know, I'm a family medicine resident. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is what I mean by creating your own path. These are there. There are a lot of things people see that I'm on TV now, but they don't really understand necessarily that it wasn't always TV, and and there were oh, all yeah. these little steps that led up to it. But the your question was about the support I received, and um, even all the articles that I wrote for different publications, um, you know, and things like that. My attendings always supported me, and 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 I feel really, really lucky. It's actually probably one of the main reasons besides wanting to come back to what I feel is home. But uh, one mm-hmm. of the main reasons I came back to Rowan is because they support the work that I do. Um, mm-hmm. So, And I know that's not the case. I have worked at jobs as an attending where they didn't quite support that and didn't, I didn't feel like I could do this work. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's pretty cool. It's uh, when you said that you're, um, they would actually look at your articles before you actually release them. Well, I asked, and, I asked that uh, too. Yeah. No, I, I but the fact that they, 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 you know, would, would respond and volunteer and actually took the time out, I think that it's, it's great. I mean, because it's not a common, because it's almost like, it's like college. You're submitting a paper and a professor looks at it before you, you know, release it as your dissertation, so to speak. And, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, it doesn't seem, it's not a part of your typical roles and responsibilities as a medical student. Um, but I think it's great that they took um, a, an extra extra look, um, an extra role to be able to do that for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were, they were excellent. Yeah, they, were, they were really, really great. And I mean, basically, they served as kind of a mentor, if, if you really want to think about it, which as, you know, academic faculty, which is what I am now, you know, we do this for students, sometimes students, whether it's a student, whether I have a medical student that's having trouble, you know, dealing with, say, anxiety or depression or, you know, test-taking anxiety, you know, they just like students come to, you know, their faculty saying, I, I need help with this or I'm struggling on this rotation or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, they did that for me with media, which which I, I'm definitely grateful for. So, yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. I owe a lot to them and I, I tell them all the time um, because I still work with them, which is, is really a, a pleasure for me. So, I I'm, I'm very grateful for Rowan. Mm-hmm. And I also know that a lot of institutions are simply just not like this. 
So. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. And I hope that, you know, that can change over time because, you know, who knows, you might have, you know, other up and coming, you know, gen coddles coming up and, you know, they, they maybe don't have the support um, that they right. are, you know, that they have because, you know, it's something that they want to do. So, That's right. um, so shifting gears a little bit, um, I would love to talk about physician wellness and burnout. And, um, you know, I think these are, you know, rather hot topics or sort of speak popular topics nowadays, but I feel that, you know, it's been, going on for some time. Um, and I, you know, personally, I think it's kind of rooted in poor self-care and lack of mm. education um, yeah. on knowing how to take care of oneself during our medical training and schooling. And, you know, um, I'm, you know, most of the general public um, patients, you know, people that we cater to, they don't know the rigors, you know, that we had to go through. And it can, it can, you know, bring a toll on us. So, I, I want to ask, you know, why do you think it's getting a spotlight, you know, more nowadays? And what do you think we need to do to kind of change this? You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know why it's actually getting more spotlight now, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I'm mm-hmm. glad that it is. Uh, you know, understanding and knowing the statistics, I think, probably has helped us. And, and being willing to face the facts, you know, 400 physicians or so commit suicide every year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot of us. Um you know, and, and there's plenty, right. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it shouldn't be any. Um, and, and, and knowing that, but I, I know there's plenty of other statistics that I just don't have off the tip of my tongue about students and residents and physicians feeling burnt out and, and what that does to us. But I think the most important thing is that we are paying attention to it, right? That's, that's the most valuable uh, lesson. And I think, you know, when I was coming through, you know, I've been in attending, I guess, for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the idea of self-care and this and that, it wasn't valued the way it is now. And in some ways, you got, you you earned your stripes by being able to endure a lot, right? So mm-hmm. in medicine, I kind of feel like the more you could, the more you could do, the more you could deal with, the worse it was for you. It's like, it's almost, it's almost like a rite of passage, mm-hmm. or at least traditionally or historically, I think it's sort of been thought of that way. And I don't know that self-care has been valued. Yeah. It's almost similar to like a frat mentality, you know, sort of speak. And in some ways, I mean, right, you know, I remember in residency, you never wanted to admit you didn't know what to do. You never mm-hmm. wanted to admit that you were tired or you were overwhelmed or you were um, not doing well. Um, you know, those were things that I just remember feeling like, wow, I never, I don't ever want to, I don't want to say those things, right? right. For fear of not having a an environment that would, um that would value that and support that in an environment that wouldn't um, judge me for those feelings. So, you know, I have a feeling that if I felt this way, I'm sure there's plenty of others rather uh, during my time or if not before. So, I mean, you know, there needs to be, and there has needed to be for a long time, a culture shift. I'm glad the tide is changing. I'm mm-hmm. glad we're now talking about things like self-care and how to take care of yourself. This wasn't even a conversation I even remember, you know, having 10, 12 years ago. It was, you know, you're you almost thought about a super a superhero. The more you, um, <laughs> yeah, the more you yeah, overcome and deal with, um, and um, so so I think it's a good conversation, and I think it's something. I think for those physicians who are even before me, who worked before the 80 hour work week was enacted, right? So there yeah. are physicians out there that were working 120 hours a week and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's a culture shift that we all have to get used to, but I think it's permission 
for all of us to to take a look at ourselves and, and work to take care of ourselves, which is what we need. Sometimes we need permission to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's great because, um, and it's very much so, because it is, it is in a way kind of like a rite of passage, so to speak. And, you know, I think that, you know, ever since you go into medical school and then you have the opportunity to go into training, you know, it's, um, it's almost like once you get into it, you almost have to kind of, uh, earn your spot to be there, so to speak. And it has this kind of cloud of, you know, I don't want to do any wrong, you know, so, and most of right. us try to study hard, work harder, things like that. And, you know, whenever these feelings and emotions pop up where, man, I'm just, you know, I, I really don't know, or I'm just too, too overwhelmed with all these responsibilities. I don't know who to go to. Um, I think, you know, having different kind of uh, mentors, you know, as we go up the ranks, you know, because we go through like a hierarchy system from intern to, you know, uh, it's important to have those mentors like yourself, you know, that's guided you through, you know, in in, sort of speak through media broadcasting, for example, Um, but just having a mentor um, to kind of hold your hand a little bit. So, but of course, yeah, we do have to put in the work because, you know, a physician or doctor's, um, you know, path going up these is not, is an arduous one, you know, no matter where you are, you know, that's right. That's right. You're right. It's, it's tough. It's not, it's not easy, but I, but I, I definitely agree with you. And I, I think it's a wonderful thing that you're talking about it on your podcast and other places, um, because this is what helps further that conversation, that dialogue, and also makes it okay, right? These are, these conversations that we all have in academia, which is, you know, having wellness being part of the curriculum for residents and things like that. I'm seeing our residencies do that um, and having more resources for our medical students. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. The more we talk about it, the more and the better it will get. So yeah. I, I, I think it's wonderful. I really do. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially, you know, you and me, we practice family medicine and, you know, primary care physicians are, you know, role models, you know, at the end of the day. You know, we are community leaders. So, a lot of people are watching us, you know, whether we are, um, you know, out there, you know, or not. It's, you know, we have patients that look at, you know, watch us and things like that. So it's important to not only practice that self-care because in a way, you know, like, for example, you know, I, you know, cook, you know, two, three times, you know, um, if I'm not super busy, you know, as much as I can. And when I convey that, you know, to patients, you know, I say, hey, you know, from firsthand experience, these are the certain things you need to look out for, you know. Mm. So, you know, it's important to, uh, you know, to be able to practice that self-care, you know, making sure yeah. that you hydrate well, sleep well, you know, you do some sort of physical activity a little bit every single day, you know, things like that. So, um, so uh, just talking, I, I love, I love uh, many spots that you and a lot of features that you're on. Uh, through magazines and different shows, you know, you also talk a lot about, you know, motivation and inspiration, you know, for others. And having the colorful career that you've had um, for other, you know, physicians, and it's not just students and residents, you know, being, you know, we, you know, being on the group on doctors on social media, the movement started by Dr. Donna Coriel, where, you know, not only are we walking this path of, you know, of being a physician, but we are also wanting to pursue different routes that not only enhance the career, but also, you know, to enhance ourselves. So what would you say, you know, having gone through the path that you've gone through, you know, what does that offer, 
you know, for people, um, especially for, uh, you know, different healthcare providers, um, you know, what does that offer in terms of pursuing your own route? You know, like, for example, does it offer a better work-life balance for you? Does it offer more, you know, happiness or more time for, you know, ex-hobby or something like that? Like, what does that hmm. offer? You know? I think for me, and I'm probably just not, I don't know if I'm, I'm not necessarily typical, I would say. You know, I I did this because I'm, in terms of doing social media and, and um, not social media so much, the social media is secondary. It's, it's writing articles, giving quotes to magazines. I do radio as well, and then I appear on TV. My media work um, really comes from this drive and deep passion to communicate health information. Um, interestingly enough, you ask, what do I get from it? And the examples you gave are, do I have more time, et cetera, et cetera. For me, no, because I'm a little crazy in the sense that <laughs> the more that I can do is what I consider better, right? Uh, so uh, I uh. I work probably more than I would if I just did medicine. But that's not to say that I don't get a lot of other things from it and it doesn't make me happy. That's what makes me insanely happy. And uh. I feel really, really lucky to be able to have this, this sort of platform to really meet, reach millions of people when I'm on television. It's an opportunity yeah. that I only dreamed of that, um, you know, I, I feel lucky every day that it's, it's kind of come true. So, you know, work-life balance, I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. I wish I could tell you I have this great work-life balance. Um, I don't. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that I always am working on, and I'm always trying to carve out time for myself, carve out time for spending time with other people. But it's a daily struggle. I'll be very honest with you. But mm-hmm, for me, mm-hmm. it's driven out of this desire to always do more if I can. Um, mm. So, but what I have gotten out of it is this, like, literally intense joy and pleasure from doing honestly what I love. I mean, mm. it's, I wouldn't do anything any other way, and that's to me just as valuable as some of the other things that we call. So, I, you know, I think for me. I never envisioned myself seeing patients 40 hours a week, every week. I never saw that for me. Um, I knew I wanted to do family medicine. I knew I wanted to teach. Um, but I never saw myself only doing medicine. Even be- This was even before learning that media and communications was maybe what I wanted to do. I always knew that I had to have many different outlets. And mm-hmm, teaching mm-hmm. is really important for me. I'm the clerkship director for the third year family medicine clerkship at Rowan SOM. Um, I, I sort of am, um, I call myself a babysit, babysitting preceptor. You know, I, I uh-huh. serve as a preceptor for the residents when uh, the, the primary preceptors are un- unavailable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I see patients and then I do media. I, I really need this sort of diverse, um, you know, every day needs to be a little bit different for me, but that's just who I am as a person. Yeah. So what I get out of it is just every day waking up feeling like I'm the luckiest girl on on the planet. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, I'm not going to say that self care is amazing for me and that I'm um, and that I figure that life work life balance because I haven't, but I work at it. And I think that that sometimes I don't want to say the best that we can do, but but even being cognizant of it, maybe when we weren't, is a huge step up, right? Even mm-hmm. just even thinking, what am I doing for myself today? What am I doing for myself this week? What time am I taking for myself? Have I spent time with friends this week? Have I seen my family lately? Even asking those questions if we haven't been on the frame of mind to do that before is an improvement. So 
I, I try to look at things. You mentioned motivational stuff, and it's so interesting because I never think I, I never thought about myself or my posts as being motivational. I just try to, to talk about things that I resonate with or things that are on my mind. Mm-hmm. I think so often we get stuck up. We we start we think we think very black and white, almost binary, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I don't have work life balance figured out. I don't have this. I don't have this promotion. I didn't get this. You know, whatever, right? Yeah. But I think it's really really important to pay attention to the small steps that we do take. Um, and, and that's something I do try to do for myself, and it really, really helps me from feeling like it's either all good or it's all bad. That mm-hmm, if this week, mm-hmm. if I can just do a little bit more than I did last week, then you know what? Okay, we're not quite there yet, but mm-hmm. we're getting there, and we're better off than we were the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something I – it's a way of thinking that I really try to, to adopt, especially even with work-life balance, like I said, you know? Mm. So it's a work in progress. Um <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I think it's um, great. To, and I appreciate your honesty um, uh, in sharing that because, you know, even even the roles, you know, that we take, it's um, sometimes not, like you said, not binary, not black and white. And even our entire career path, you know, from a bird's eye view, uh, I'm like you. I really, really thrive on having a lot of diverse things and yeah. having something different and yeah. being able to enjoy and, and, and kind of, I guess, get the juice out of, you know, squeezing everything. You know, you yeah. we just have like a big, big zest for life, you know. So um, and what you've chosen uh, represents that. They represent, you know, different aspects of who you are, so to speak, but just, you know, convey differently. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's important going back to what we are talking about before is to remain, you know, honest and authentic and right. finding a way to, you know, um, express yourself. And I, I think that, you know, we say that medicine is kind of like science and art, and I think that this mm. kind of adds to the art part of medicine is really – because we're so, you know, conditioned and taught to just really use that, you know, so to speak, left side of our brain and not really encouraged or, you know, just really, you know, say like, hey, you know, express yourself through this article right. that you did, you know, express yourself right. through, you know, how you, you know, blog or go on air and things like that. And in a way you are. And I think that's beautiful, you know, so. Well, I actually think that's probably one of the reasons why I like doing this. And I think you put that in an eloquent way that I'm not sure that I had words for. You know, I actually just posted a blog post right before we um, started taping this, um, uh, this, this uh, interview, right? And, and People do ask me, I have to be honest with you, how do you do it all? Like you, you mm-hmm. ask the question, do you do it all? But some people say, how do you do it all? How do you blog? And the, But I'll be honest with you, I get a lot from it. It feels like it's a creative yeah. outlet for me. I, the blog post I just put up was that I just posted was four ways to, four simple ways to beat holiday stress. Well, where does that come from? That comes from the things I struggle with mm-hmm. and the things I've learned over time, the things I tell my patients, the things I've seen in family and friends what I hope the public will get. That's a creative outlet. That's something that it makes me, I get something from that. Even when I go on TV, I I did a TV segment yesterday talking about holiday heart, you know, the concept of, you know, non historically non-drinkers with normal hearts, uh, you know, no, no underlying cardiac issues, drinking a lot during the holiday season or celebrations and then developing arrhythmias. Um, And it was sort of coined, that term was coined in the 70s by a physician or a researcher, et cetera. And so anyway, this is a time of year that we see people kind of overdoing it. And, yeah. and I was talking about this on the news, a local Philadelphia news yesterday, but 
it's not just talking about medicine. It's also, interestingly enough, a creative outlet. I get to talk about stories. I get to share anecdotes. Mm-hmm. I get to educate. So, you know, I, I, I should I should be clear that probably one of the reasons why I do a lot of what I do is because it serves so many purposes for me. It's not just work. It's not just, you know, it's not just work. It's creative. It's expressive. It's this ability to, to, to reach people and then I get feedback. You know, they'll write, I hate this or I love this or whatever. Mm-hmm, they say, mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. um, but, um, but I guess back to your point of creativity and how we're able to express ourselves and being authentic you know, maybe one of the lessons I've learned is that there's many, many different ways to do all those things. And it may not come in the package that we thought, right? Mm, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we're surprised. I, I wanted to do TV news and stuff like that, but I never actually thought that I would crave doing it and that, that it would fulfill so many and check so many boxes for me. Um, I, you know, so it's been a pleasant surprise. And I, and I would argue that we probably all have things in our lives like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, for example... You know, after I, um, you know, went through culinary school, um, it was never, never, you know, in my wildest dreams that I would, you know, write a book. And uh, the book really just highlighted, you know, my journeys as a human being and as a professional. And it spoke a lot about emotional wellness and resilience. And um, I never imagined that. And, um, you know, even this podcast, this podcast right. was by accident, actually. Really? You know, that was that was yeah. It was never my intention. It actually, really? it actually, um, you know, because when I, uh, I mean, short. <laughs> I just digress a little bit. Like when That's I was fun. creating, when I was creating my audiobook for, um, you know, the audiobook version of the book. Um, yes, you yes. know, my webmaster, you know, recommended this uh, this company that we're using on this platform, okay. and then I looked at looked at. It, I was like, huh, you know, you could, you know, oh. easily make your own podcast. And, you know, for years, I, um, I like to think to, of, to myself that I'm a natural conversationalist and I really enjoyed, you know, learning about people's stories and yeah. how, how that ba- basically molded them, you know, to who they are today. Yeah. And, um, you, know, you know, like yourself, you probably have a lot of, you know, great and amazing health and wellness experts that are friends and colleagues, and we would have these amazing conversations. And, you know, there's so many gems and insights that's you know, light bulbs that came from that. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I would love to share this, mm. you know, with people. And so that was how this podcast was born. So Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And it's, um, I think a point I want to add is it's really about, it's almost like a, it's like the magic of serendipity and how, mm. you know, perfect timing and opportunity, you know, I'm sure you run, run into this a lot where, you know, the right place at the right time. And right. Um, it's really about that energy you give off. And I can right. definitely, you know, you know, see and hear that, you know, through you. And I'm sure people who've met you can also feel that as well. It's like, you know, you will attract different things in your life, you know, and um, yeah, so I, I, I just so love the fact that you express, I, I just love the fact that, you know, you've been able to express yourself and yeah. by expressing yourself you help others by doing that so yeah i think that's a good way of putting it. and i i'm so i really love the fact that you shared your story because it's so interesting how you've like you like you said opportunity is serendipity timing etc but mm-hmm. i also have to say like i give it to you i give you a lot of credit for sort of seizing the opportunity right like it came up you, you saw this this platform right that you were going to mm-hmm. keep your audiobook and then you're like huh and i think there's 
another step to that, which I, like I said, I give you a lot of credit for, which is kind of dipping a toe in, right? Taking a little mm-hmm. bit of a leap of faith. I and mean, you could have seen that and said, wow, that looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever do that. Or wow, that looks mm-hmm. amazing. I don't know, which we all do about a lot of things. <laughs> but but you, you also decided to give it a try. And yeah. I, I think the other thing with, with, with me and medical broadcasting, every single day I get uh, messages, and I love getting messages from people. The most commonly asked question I get is, how did you get started doing TV? That's the most commonly you know, yeah, so yeah. I actually have a, a video series on my YouTube channel about um, like my story, and, and I have different videos on this because it's literally um, the most commonly asked question I get. Um, but but I think the other thing, the other part of it is, yes, it's opportunity and serendipity, but it's being willing to kind of take a little bit of a risk. Um, mm. And that's why I also encourage like medical students and residents and, and even attendings and those of us who have been out of practice for a while um, you know, this stuff doesn't come easy. Um, but we, we know this, though, because we're doctors. Any mm-hmm. doctor knows that, you know, things don't come easy. Look at the process of being a, a physician. It wasn't yeah. easy for any of us. It was maybe easier yeah. for some of us than others, but it's not an easy task for anyone. It's and, not. Um, no, it's not. And and so I guess the other thing I would encourage folks to do is to, to be willing to just dip a toe in, just mm. try um, because I think a lot of us probably have a lot of sort of deep-seated interests and things like that that sound interesting, whether it's real estate investing or whether it's, I don't, you yeah. don't know, building yeah. a motorcycle by hand, <laughs> I don't know, but, um, that we just may be a little bit cautious and, and shy about. And, um, you know, so anyway, I give you yeah. a lot of credit for, for Thank you. your book. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. podcast. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And I would like to add to that point where, yeah, it is, um, you know, it's, again, that, that going up, uh, growing up phase through the medical pathway. But the thing is, is that it has an infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. It has actual structure to it. But similar True. to, like, you, you and True. I, you know, like, it has an infrastructure. There's things that are laid out, right? right? But for the path that you've created and the path that I created, there is no blueprint, so to speak. No, there right is no map. And, you're but right. the thing is, is that why we love it, is because, and we've been talking about it throughout this episode, is why we love it is because it gives us, it fuels us, right? Mm. It, it gets us up at that morning. It, it, it just gives us those creative juices to be able to, you know, you know, you, you love it so much, you want to give that love to other people. You know what I'm That's saying? True. Like, you, you, you want to give that energy to other people. And for you, you know, one of the ways is broadcasting. For me, it's, you know, uh, you know, conveying, you know, cooking and the love for it and how, you know, you and everyone can improve your life by just being in the kitchen more, you know, just for example, you know, yeah. so... And, um, yeah, so I just, you know, I love it. Um, Hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So I want to close out. This has been great. Um, usually I, I, I love asking my guests, you know, how do they personally thrive? But honestly, we've been talking about it all episodes. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you have any other ways that you try to, you know, uh, keep pushing yourself. But if you can share that. And then the follow-up yeah. question is, 
um, you know, because we're talking about, you know, carving out your own path and taking a risk, you know, if you could, you know, maybe speak on maybe to upcoming students and residents on, you know, just like three tips that if they are even having an inkling of, you know, doing something a little bit different, right? Like, what would you say to them? So three tips for that. Okay. Um, all right. So I think the first one was about um, just any additional tips on thriving, right? Personally and, thriving, uh, yeah. Right. And I think for me, um, it's, you know, I try to lean into what makes me happy. I really try to pay very, very close attention to what feels right to me and what does not. And I think sometimes we need permission to do that. And I, you know, I, I want to encourage other people, whether it's people in your life, whether it's jobs that you're in, whether it's um, extracurriculars, no, it doesn't matter what it is, but lean in towards the things that feel good and feel right. I've never gone wrong by doing that. Um, mm. When I listen to myself, things tend to be a lot better than when I don't. So I really make an effort when it feels good and it seems good, it feels like that sort of gut feeling, I lean into it. And the things that don't, even if I can't necessarily explain it, I really try to minimize. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that's something that's, that's helped me thrive. Um, and I guess I would say for medical students, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've started um, giving advice to medical students and residents on my YouTube channel, um, especially being a clerkship director for like 10 years and things like mm-hmm. that. I realized there were a lot of tips I wanted to, a lot of things I wanted to say. To <laughs> so, so many. Um, yeah, so many things. Um, no, but, uh, but yeah, and I invite people to, to check out my YouTube. It's just a Dr. Jen Cottle. But, um, yeah, there's a playlist for med students and residents. Um, in terms of students who have outside interests or other things that, you know, I, I've had students come to me saying they're interested in sports medicine because they want to be like a ringside doctor for, like, say, boxing. I've had students mm-hmm. come to me saying, I actually had one student that was interested in food and, and, and cooking and, and how to integrate that into their future practice of medicine, kind of what you do is what I'm thinking mm-hmm. they want to do, et cetera. You know, I'm always very encouraging. I would say pay attention to what it is that catches your interest and hold on to that. You know, mm-hmm. it may not always be the you – know, look, in med school, med school is tough. First and foremost, you got to do well. You've got to do yeah. the work. You've you got to do that right. Learn the stuff. You've got to do – yeah, you have to do that right. There are no shortcuts, right? There are mm-hmm. no shortcuts. You have to do well, and you need to graduate, and you need to go to do a residency and, and do well. Like, this is just what has to happen. But what you do along the way is you keep track of these things that you're interested in, and you slowly but surely learn as you can. And, mm-hmm. Colin, you said something about how you love people's stories. You know, I often say to med students, Seek out someone who's doing what you're doing. Follow them on social media. Learn about their lives. I often tell people who want to know about my life, the best way is to follow me on social media. I'm pretty transparent. You can learn mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. by a person and, and maybe what they do that you want to do by seeing their life, seeing how they post. But you can also reach out to people and say, hey, tell me how you became this ringside doctor. Tell me how you became the, you know, to specialize only in yeah. this type of headache, et cetera. Um, yeah. and, and then, you know, again, keeping priorities straight, I think is very, very important. Yes. Uh, but I would also say, too, as students and residents are going through this process, social media is taking a different turn than what it was when I was a student. I still say for those who are still in the process of being selected for something, whether you need to get a residency or you need to get into med school or you need to whatever, be thoughtful about the image you portray. Now, I'm not saying do this or do that or don't. I'm just saying be thoughtful about what you portray to the world as mm. you are still going through this process. Um, but um, with that, um, 
I say it's important to be yourself and to really kind of keep the dreams that you have in, in mind. Um, mm-hmm. Keep them front and center because they can happen. It's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's great. And to add to your point, it's um, you know, it's about taking that risk and. It, it, it's about, you know, who knows, like you have nothing to lose by reaching out to that nope. person, you know, to, yeah. you know, either shadow them or mentor them or, you know, or, I'm, I'm sorry, or have them mentor you, you know, right. so there's no, there's no, there's no, you know, there's risk, but there's no, you know, that how do you, how would you know if you don't, you know, ask you or take the ask, chance? That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So um, I definitely encourage folks to do that. But uh, yeah, but yeah I, I think being a medical student and resident, as hard as it is, it's also a very exciting time. It's literally you becoming the person you were meant to be. And mm. you can also you can look at that from a medicine point of view. Right. But also for the other things that you may have interest in. So this, right, that definitely. is the time to be cultivating who it is you see yourself being in the future, which is yeah, I think yeah. exciting. Yeah. And there's no like. You know, there's no, like, hard and fast. There's no black and white to this. It's, you know, life is, to me, it's gray. You know what I'm saying? And not just for medical students out there, even for our attendings who are listening in um, or for the general public, you know, physicians that have already been in practice, um, you know, there's always, there's always a shift, you know, and something might spark your interest. Some passion might arose. And it's important to, you know, uh, to look into that, you know what I'm saying? Because... They're and they are, you know, part of you. They are, you know, right. components of you. And uh, I think it would be, you know, a travesty if you don't look into it. You know what I'm saying? That's because right. as you can hear, both of us, we we love what we do, and you know, we wouldn't trade it. You know what I'm saying? Because you talked about not not attaining a quote unquote work life balance, but you love it, right? So yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't do it a different way if I yeah. if I were given the opportunity, which is. About the only way I want to live life is if I have to do it again, <laughs> would I do it differently? Well, yeah. probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you had a lot of fun doing it. So, yeah. um, Jen, Dr. Jen, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing um, your story and your passion and, you know, your wisdom for, you know, other people who want to be, you know, future Jen Coddles or future themselves, rather, you know. So oh, um, if people... If people want to look you up or want to learn more about you, where can yeah. they find you? Um, so uh, my website is drjencoddle.com, um, but I'm also at um, Dr. Jen Coddle for all my social. That's Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. So I definitely encourage, send me a message, um, and also my YouTube. Um, definitely check out my YouTube. It's got lots of videos for med students, residents, um, but also for patients and stuff too. So, um, yeah, check that out. Everything's at Dr. Jen Coddle. Okay. Okay. Very, very simple. I love it. Yeah. Um, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Um, guys, um, yeah, guys, if you uh, love this, please uh, check us out weekly um, for Thrive Bites. And thank you for listening on. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, Please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.